But even under their noses, we are scattered and furtive. We never see the stars anymore, and little of the sun. For the old one's emergence and the nuclear attacks of the first resistance wrapped the earth in permanent winter that varies only a little by season. A man may walk from Oregon to Washington across the frozen Columbia seven or eight months out of the year. We are in the old ballroom now, a baker's dozen of us. That number would once have been deemed unlucky, but Cthulhu and his fellow rival gods have drained the world of luck. The door ward drops his cowl. He is newly come among us and must prove himself. Now I see he is a woman as she lifts off a crowning mask that has misshaped her head. Beneath, she is actually a reasonable-seeming human being, albeit as grubby and hunger-rattled as the rest of us. She slips from her robe as well, unhooks a padded hump, releases bindings on her legs, and stands straight, clad now in only blue jeans and a faded black T-shirt advertising a band called Object 775. This is like looking at a piece of the past. I wonder where her parka is. Inspired, I slip my cloak free and let it fall, along with my own fatigue coat, until I am clad only in ragged thermal underwear and combat boots. I am barely transformed, my hands over large and my fingers over blunt, but the change seems to have stopped there, as can happen with we who resist strongly enough. Around me, others remove their cowls and hoods and cloaks, until we stand as an array of human and formerly human faces. Some eyes are bulbous and unblinking, others scowl furiously. But we all have the full measure of one another for the first time in years. Also for the first time in years, as I look at our door ward, I feel stirrings in my groin. A natural woman. I am come from the lodge in Crescent City, she announces. Now her voice is blessedly normal as well, bringing news from Mendocino and further south. There are no lodges in the formerly great cities of the world, because none of those cities remain whole and unpolluted. A lodge along the Sea of Cortez has made an important discovery. We have found a poison that will harm even the undying priests amid their armors and their spells. Despite the old one's protection? I ask. Yes, she smiles at me, and I am erect for the first time in years. Two. Just as foretold, the old ones are stripping the earth from pole to pole. They are in no hurry, not by human standards. Surely they perceive time so differently from us. This past decade may all be a single moment not yet passed to them, one thunderous tick of the clock of the long now. Strangely, in places of some technology where electricity can still be induced to function, odd corners of the world away from the attention of the priests and their gods, we find that many of our space assets remain in order. Curiously, this is despite the abilities of the Biaki and the Migo to traverse the emptiness between planets. The last cosmonauts starved on the ISS seven years ago, and the station has since fallen burning from the sky, but their observations had proved invaluable.
Likewise, weather and spy satellites, not all of which have yet strayed from their course or lost their mechanical minds. The world's cities were crushed or blasted or sickened, sometimes by human effort in the first resistance, more often by the old ones themselves when they finally stirred from their watery graves. Now great, slow waves of fungal rot progress across the continents like a nightmare tide, swallowing forests and prairies and bottomlands alike. I've been as far east as Estes Park and looked down on the great plains being scoured to bedrock. The mountains and coastlines are yet spared, but surely that is only a matter of time. With this data and a tenuous network of wanderers and observers, the second resistance has our guesses about how many years are left to do something again.